episode 32, Destiny Beckons. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The games we play with Brian and Chris. And welcome to the games we play. I am your host Brian, and my co-host this week is Chris. Chris, woohoo! Hello, I'm Chris. That's me. This is the games we play podcast, a podcast where we talk about board games, sometimes RPGs, miniatures, tabletop games, and really just really what the games we play. So this week we are talking about Call to Adventure. That's the game we're reviewing, and we'll be talking about that uh, a little later in the episode. Obviously, we'll be talking about what's on our table and our love and hate this week. So, Chris, another week, another uh, batch of games. All my Black Friday uh, board games started coming in this week, actually. Uh, Some of them got kind of delayed. I don't know what the deal was, but started getting those in this week. Uh, I got my Champions of Midgar in the the mail and all the expansion. The last expansion finally came today, so I'm really excited to get that on the table. Ah, I did. uh, I got mine, too, as well, as well as the... The Dark Mountains expansion. I did not get the Valhalla expansion. Oh, you didn't no, get Valhalla? It was sold That's out. what I just got in the mail yeah, today. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm looking at it. I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm keeping an eye on it. But uh, I, I got mine last night, uh, the, the base game. So I was all excited to pull that out. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, it's hard to beat Vikings and like worker placement. Epic worker placement. Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. I guess it is epic. It's Vikings. Oh, and it is. Worker placement. And <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see how that plays. I've heard so many good things about it. I've yes. seen gameplay videos. I'm pretty excited about that. So that that's what I'm excited about. Um, I didn't really get a whole lot, actually, other than that. I guess I'm painting other stuff. That's not nice. very exciting. Well, I actually got another Viking game in the mail. It's called Valhalla. It's a card dice game that I backed on Kickstarter a year ago. And it showed up and I thought it was one of my Black Friday games and I didn't get a shipping notice or anything. And all of a sudden, boom, it's here. And it's it's a game where uh, you're a Jarl and you build a team and use special weapon dice to defeat your enemies and win the ultimate glory and, uh, and seat at the hall of Valhalla. And it's, it's uh one to six player combat uh, dice card game. It Interesting. Lo- yeah, it looked pretty cool. It's got, oh my gosh, tons of really cool dice. And there's Kickstarter. They threw in some of these kind of uh, miniatures that I don't know if they really have much play in the game, but they look really cool. So I'm and interested. It's just called Valhalla. Valhalla. Um, by go on board interesting yeah, it's uh, this was uh this was a game that caught my eye a year or a year plus ago and uh, it's uh it's a polish game um hmm. oh yeah i found it here i'm looking at the pictures yeah. oh the yeah, art interesting. looks really cool the, the dice the cards the just everything of the it just really grasped me i like viking the mythos and stuff so yeah it kind of looks like yeah. you have your own tableau yes. with dudes on yes, it yes you do you, you have... put your band of uh viking band together i'm interested in reading it pulling out and definitely over this christmas break i was one i was thinking either we play over at work or we get together but that's one uh definitely it's like a 45 minute to an hour game supposedly what it says so 
We'll hmm. have to pull it out and figure it out. Yeah, it does say 30 to 60 minutes. It's yep. only a 2.14 weight on uh, right. BGG. Interesting. Yeah. No, that that looks really cool. The artwork on this. Yeah. Oh, man. That looks Really, it, it is. It looks really cool. There's very minimalistic uh, like iconography on these cards. I mean, yes. there's iconography on it, but it's only like a small footprint on these cards. These cards look... It looks like it was just meant to be like very artistic yes. and show off right. it. And it, I, it's a I very agree. cool style. I like that. Yeah, it, it really caught my eye when it came out. And I just read about it and I'm like, okay, it's let's give it a try. And it was it was nicely priced actually for being this. I wondered uh, I, I think this was the first game for this company. Um, mm. this Polish company, I, I could be wrong, but, uh, I didn't find much about them, but it has dwarves in it. So you can't go wrong. <laughs> it's got a dwarf deck and ex- expansion oh, boy. comes with it. There's some other things and it gives a lot. Yes. Just really cool that the art, like you said, the art on the cards and the mistos, there's a solo variant. So that's one of the things oh, I've okay. really, I really wanted to look into. And I've known a lot of games have, uh, board games have gone that way these last oh, couple years. Oh, a lot. That's uh, a huge I, trend. I think it is a big trend. So I, I, I've, I played, uh, games workshop chainsaw warrior back in the nineties when that was, uh, that was a solo board game. Um, and that was really fun back then. And that you didn't really uh, hear or many games come out over the last 20 years that are solo until these last recently, like you said, that's a big market. Oh trend. yeah. So I thought it's kinda I'd weird. give it a try. Yeah. I thought I'd play it. But, I wonder so. if it's just because like the market saturation where there's so many board games yes. and not enough like people to play them maybe. And so yeah. they want to give people the ability that, hey, if you buy this game, at least you get a chance to play it because you can play it by yourself. Right. Maybe. Exactly. And it's I mean, that's like playing a video game you by yourself. Sure. You can play it. Now they're reaching these trying to reach at the market, try to find any angles they can go to make that extra sale and reach and bring those people in to this side of the, that type of the hobby. And it may be one, I don't know, I'm reaching out, but I'm thinking about that makes a lot of sense. So. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've heard like uh, Jeff Engelstein or some others yeah. talk about how just changing that player count and modifying it on the box, how much of a big difference yes. it makes in marketing. Yes, it does. Um, adding so, a, a fifth uh, after you know two to four players now two to five that makes yeah a huge everything's difference. two to yes. five it seems yep. like or one to yes, five one to I five guess. Now. you're right one to five <laughs> stuff like that yeah yeah well I guess we'll see you, yeah you'll have to play I'm not a big on solo games I understand the video game aspect because obviously I, I play oh, yeah. video games yeah um, but. I, there's just something I'd rather, if I'm going to play solo, I'd rather just play a video game, to oh, be I, honest. Cause I'm there with you. I don't know. I'm not, I guess I'm kind of open to it, but I don't know. I haven't really, I don't think I've ever played a solo game now to think about it. Um, I yeah. don't know. I, I'm more into board games for the social aspect. Video mm-hmm. games, I mean, you can yeah. uh, turn on the TV, run a load a video game, play it, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever hour, pause it, load it, save it, whatever, and then and, walk and, away. And there's design for solo, exactly. right? Like the experience, the the surroundings, the the whole game itself is is other than multiplayer is crafted for a single player. Yes. Opposed to these board games are not necessarily crafted that right. way. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Yep. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yep. It does look cool. There are custom dice in this game, Valhalla. Yes. Um, those look really neat. Yep. And um, speaking of a Kickstarter, I got a uh, email shipping notification for Colossal Games that my Western Legends oh, finally? expansion, yes, is shipping. Cheapers. So I backed the Annie Up, which is the expansion for the Western Legends, and I didn't have it, so I, I bought the base game and stuff with it. So it's finally shipping, and 
says, please allow 24 to 48 hours for your tracking number to become active. So I should nice. be able to follow it. Hopefully by Christmas, I would be getting all the Western legends. Woo-hoo. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I, I'm surprised it took you so long. I saw I people on Facebook over like three or four weeks ago right. getting anti up. So yep. maybe it's because you're waiting for the base game, maybe. I don't know. I think because, yeah, I bought a few extra things along with it because I didn't have oh, the sure. base stuff. So, yeah. Oh, it's such a yes. fun game. Oh, I know. And I, yeah, I if, if yeah. you haven't heard of if you ever, uh, you don't know what Western Legends, go check out our, pre- I think it was like episode two or three. Yeah, or it's one of the first ones. Or maybe don't. Those weren't terribly great, but it's a really fun sandbox Western game. You can just kind of do whatever you want, right? Yeah, you could be a good guy or you can be a bad guy in it, and that's the really cool thing. All right, uh, that's all about I got in this week. Anything else you got that's uh, that's exciting? Um, no, just uh, continuing on with that, getting ready for the holiday season, and and wrestling's going on, and and just trying to get some gameplay and in involved with all the 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 fun craziness that goes on uh, this time of the season. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, one last thing. Did you hear Frosthaven was announced this last week at PAX PAX, uh, Unplugged? Which, for those who don't know, PAX Unplugged is a board game convention in Philly that just took place last week. And at uh, the convention, they announced Frosthaven. Uh, For those who don't know or haven't heard of this, uh, Gloomhaven, uh, currently the number one rated board game of all board games on Board Game Geek. That was the first one. And then there's an expansion with it. Frosthaven is now the, I guess, the sequel? Yes. It's set in the same universe. It's a different city because Gloomhaven in this universe is an actual city. And and a lot of the events and scenarios all revolve around this city called Gloomhaven. Well, there's another town or city or something like that called Frosthaven. So with Frosthaven, there's, uh, I think they're they're all new characters, like tw- another 24 or 30 characters yep. in the box. All, full new scenarios, all new bad guys. I mean, you name it. It sounds like it's going to be pretty sweet. So pretty excited about that, even though we still haven't completed Gloomhaven or the expansion. I know. but And this is something that uh, I may look at. I missed out on the whole Gloomhaven and stuff like this. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, thankfully, I got it in the second print because if I had it, like, there's no way you're going to get it anytime soon, yeah. I think. So you might, might look into this Frosthaven aspect. Yeah, it's I think a, it uh, kickstarts in, I think they're saying first quarter 2021. Right. So, or excuse me, 2020. 2020. <laughs> I'm already a year ahead. With the del- uh, That's what yeah. happens in the insurance industry, by the way. When you're working on stuff, you're always working like one expiration year ahead. So around this time, you start, things flip over and you're always, anyway, it really is confusing when you get used to it. But uh, yeah, so that's just exciting. Uh, I hadn't talked to you about that yet, see if you had saw that. So I just really heard, excited. Yeah, I was listening to the... Uh, um, Dice Tower News actually, and they mentioned that, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna look into that." Yeah, looks cool. looks really cool. Looks really cool. And if you go on a BGG and look at the pictures uh, for Pax Unplugged, they made this really cool 3D painted terrain that they were uh, showing off a scenario to play. It looks awesome. You have to check it out. All right, so Chris, let's go ahead and move on and talk about what's been on our table this week. <laughs> All right, what's been on our table this week? Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start out this week. You go ahead. We played Architects of the West Kingdom. I think I mentioned this last week that we got in the mail. Uh, 
you probably maybe heard of this because Paladins of the West Kingdom, yep. which is the second in the trilogy, just came out. And like, if you look on Instagram, you don't have to scroll like more than a, a couple pages before you see somebody with Paladins of the West Kingdom. But try and Architects of the West Kingdom. Uh, it's a really fun worker placement game that I, th- I think, Chris, I'm starting to really like worker placement, like really yeah. like worker placement. Um, I think one of the first worker placement games I played was like Lords of Waterdeep yep. um, with with Corey. And there's been a few others. Um, and obviously like Everdale is really, is really good. But with Architects of the West Kingdom, you actually get 20 workers to start out with. And this has a really unique... Well, let me back up just to describe before I go into it. Basically, in this game, you're architects uh, trying to build buildings or help the progress of building the cathedral for the archbishop. But to do this, obviously, you're going to have to get resources like wood or stone or marble or gold. You're also going to have to hire, like, basically laborers or something. I don't even know what they're called. But basically, there's these character cards, and they're like, uh, they have roles and they have special abilities that help buff you up through the game. But you're going to have to hire them because you have to have them to build buildings. And so all this is going in there. And so you're going to have to build up these, get these cards. You're going to have to build up getting resources and all this stuff. So you're using the workers to do this. So you might go put them in the woods to go get wood and whatnot. So here's what's really unique. And I haven't seen this in a worker placement game before is that when you place a worker there, like let's say the woods, you get a piece of wood. And and actually the, the resource are actual wooden like twigs oh, like cool. really nice resources yeah but for every guy you put into that space you actually get more of that resource for how many people you have of your color so the first time you play there you get like one piece of wood second time on your next turn if you put another guy there you get two pieces of wood and the third time you get three pieces and four you get four pieces so you can see how you can accumulate these resources pretty quickly over turns because your turn is literally pricing a worker collecting or doing the action and your turns over so it's really really quick and you have 20 workers uh so i've never seen that before where it's kind of exponential that the more guys you have in there the more resources or actions you get i i don't think i've seen that in a worker placement game i don't know right. if you've seen that before not not too many where it ramps up like that the more you uh, compounds kind of bits. Uh, yeah. And, and so this is then where it really gets interesting because you could see how maybe that'd be overpowered where you could just put like 10 dudes there and get like buttloads of resources. Well, there's another mechanic in the game where you can go to the town center and you can, uh, you can pay taxes and you can arrest or capture another player's workers oh, from one place. Location. So what it does is it makes it so Obviously, you want to try to build a lot in one area, but you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because if you do, somebody's going to take and capture your workers. When they capture your workers, you pick one location, take all the same color and put it on your board and they're a little captured area. Well, then on a future turn, you can place a worker at the prison and you can send those workers to the prison and you get like a silver piece per worker you send them to prison oh nice which is pretty cool yeah and so once they're in prison uh the other player can actually place a worker at the prison to get them out for free or if they really want to they can spend a bunch of gold or money to get them release them out of your your tableau so it's very interesting like there's a cool balance where it's like you don't I, I want to put a lot of guys here to get these resources, but 
I don't want to make it easy targets to get a bunch, you know, for somebody to steal my guy. And also the town center, you can put multiple guys on it. So on the next turn, when you put a person on it, you can now capture two areas. Oh, because it compounds the people. Yeah. Yeah. But you can also use it to capture your own guys and bring them back to your board for free. So it's also another mechanism to get your guys off the board. Because once you place them, the only way they go off the board is if you do that or they get captured and you free them from prison. Really interesting mechanic. Yeah. Uh, There's also like a black market that like gives you bad virtue. There's like a virtue track and it gives you negative victory points and really interesting where you can you can get a lot of resources for free, but it comes at a cost of your virtue. Really interesting. Very well balanced, I feel, uh, game. And I've never really seen that in a worker placement game before. And I kind of like it. Uh, It's a uh, it's a one to five player game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which we were just talking about earlier. It's the classic one to five. I'd be really interested to play at five. I've also heard on Instagram that it plays really, really, really well at solo. Like it's a really, really good game at solo. I've heard. I'd like to see so, the game mechanics for that with that. With just the two mechanics you've mentioned there would be very interesting. You know, to have to have some type of AI built in to do that. Yeah, there's a whole special deck of yeah. cards that comes okay. in the game. That there's like sense. 30 or 40 just for the solo variant, which tells you like they're really investing time and money in these solo games yes. that they're providing whole new like modules that changes the game just for solo. Yes, I was, yeah, I was just thinking that when you mentioned that because uh, I'm trying to think what other game was it Colt Express that had a solo that they had a deck that we were talking about? No, there was no, just a game. No. We were talking about this the other day and it had pretty, a, pretty much every Stonemeyer game yeah, has it. Maybe, they have the Automa. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah, maybe. where they have its own card deck and you don't mm-hmm. pull these out unless you play that. And I like that. That's I mean, yeah, you're marketing to us to be a solo game you better make it that it can adapt and handle it versus two, three, four, five players. So, well, Call of Adventure right. has a special deck for co-op and solo mode. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking that's today. That's what we were talking yeah, about. I, yeah, I probably there, was. That's there, what I was probably thinking of. Not Cold Express. There's probably like thirty cards on that yeah. deck or something like that. So anyway, yeah. really cool game. Architects of the West Kingdom. I've heard Paladins of the West Kingdom is actually better. I believe it still has that mechanic where you can capture each other's workers, which I really, really like that. That's fun. That yeah. you know, A lot of those worker placements, it feels like sometimes it's just a solo game where you're trying to race and be most efficient with gathering resources and building stuff. But... With this, there's a lot of player interactivity because you have to be really careful in what you do not to make it easy pickings for the other player or players. We played two players. Kind of sounds actually played pretty well. Yeah, it kind of sounds like maybe a take that type mechanism, Brian. It, no, it, but it's not too bad because to be honest, you have 20 workers, yeah. right? Uh, unless you placed all 20, 20 workers yeah. in one place. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to stop you by the time you get four fifth because those resources, if you're getting five resources on your turn, it's a huge deal because there's a there's another place where you can put a worker and you can turn like any three or four resources into marble, which is a rare oh. commodity in the game. And the marble's worth victory points at the end of the game. Um, so like if you're letting somebody over three turns get like 20 of a resource... Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, somebody's going to do something about it. You're playing that Um, wrong. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. And there's going to be plenty of opportunity where you capture theirs, and you're constantly turning them into the prison to get coins because it's the easiest way to get coins. And so people are just rotating through that prison. And, uh, in fact, there's... 
there's incentive to put them in the prison because there's certain times where there's this black market refresh. And when that happens, the person who has the most prisoners in the prison at that time takes a debt card. And the debt card is worth negative victory points at the game. Ooh. And you have to pay like six or something coins. You have to pay a lot to pay off your debt. But when you pay off your debt, you actually get, you turn it over and you get uh, virtue, which virtue is like the morality check, if you will. And it gives you a bunch of bonuses as you move up it. So again, it's it's really balanced that like you still can get something out of it by capturing it, but there's incentive to put them directly in prison, not just capture and hold on to them in your, in your area. So. Um, kind of interesting. Anyway, cool. that's enough of that for Architects of the West Queen. I would love to play this like three or four players. Unfortunately, I don't. I think it's a little. It says an hour, but it plays a little over an hour. I think. Um, so it's one of those we can't play at work. We oh, have to play yeah. outside of work. Yeah. But interesting game. Cool. Really like it. Fun. And uh, I'll, I'll have to get some more gameplays in it. But I uh, really enjoyed it. So anyway, sorry. I talked about that for long enough. Uh, Chris, what did you play this week? Uh, Jamie and I pulled out Magic Maze with the kids. Uh, love that. That's a fun one. We uh, we actually introduced it to Thomas and Jenny, a couple of friends that we did Guns on Clever with. Pulled out Magic Maze, and that was introduced that. That was pretty fun. Just that's a fun game. Uh, we go back one yep. of our earlier episodes. We talked about can't can't go wrong with Magic Maze. That's a, that's a good classic game that. Uh, really introduces some neat me- mechanics. Um, and did you play base game or did you play with your expansion at all? Um, I don't have the expansion yet. The maximum oh, you security. Don't. No. Oh, okay. Every time I've looked, when I went to order, it was sold out. So it's out. Well, I mean, it's such a popular game. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Uh, episode nine, by the way, if you want to go yep. back and hear a review of Magic Made, those episodes. Yeah, nine. yeah it's such a out. good game. That is good. And then I introduced uh, just this weekend. Introduced Jamie to Onitama. We played a few games of that. I've uh, mentioned that before. Chess light type game. Love it. So Wait, good. It is good. It is good. So we, we played that a few times. So uh, lots of fun. Uh, those are easy games where, you know, we get dinner done, put dishes, kind of that stuff. Hey, let's sit on a game. Oh, Onitama. We played two games uh, within within 30 minutes. Got two games done in. So lots of fun. Easy game. Easy to pull out. I love the mats and the game pieces of the, the, the oh, masters yeah. and the pupils. And, Very uh, cool. Yeah, really cool. So easy setup, easy play, easy put away, uh, really cool neoprene mat and end game uh, pieces. So love it. Also, check out the uh, app on your phone. Oh, uh, yes. There's a free app. I mean, the free app, uh, the cool thing about this game is obviously the cards, right? Yep. So every time you play, yep. it can be a little different. Yep. But the combos. The, take five of the 16 move cards, play. Yeah, there's yep. 16. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of replayability there, I think. Yeah, even without uh, in, getting any expansions. There's expansions that add more move cards and stuff. But we just have the base game, so and that's perfect. Sure. And, and the free version of the app only has the same static five. Yeah. But it's a great way to try out the game to play it because it gives you the same feel of the of the actual game, the physical yeah. game, and I think it's done really well. And you can also pay the DLC. You actually can pay like a flat fee yeah. uh, and get all the extra stuff. But yeah, um, but yeah, I I mean it's not like it's an expensive game, right? No. But if you're even curious, I definitely encourage you to try the app for free. You don't have to sign yeah. up or pay anything or, you know, whatnot. You can just try it out and see if you like the gameplay. I, it's such, it is a really yeah. fun game. Yeah. Onitama is actually on Amazon uh, Prime for uh, $17. So really, oh, that's it's an it. under $20 game. And the box is really neat how everything fits in. It kind of has like a little magnetic lock on it. So it stays yeah. shut and it, it travels really well. A small footprint. Yeah. Really fun oh, game. Really Can't small. Say- it's like a little, it's like 
like yeah. a little rectangle yep. almost. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I can't say enough. Good stuff about Onitama. Thanks for introducing it to me at uh, Origins this summer. It was Yeah, it was, it was good. just like, uh, yeah. it was just a one-off like, hey, we, should just, we have a little time. Yep. Uh, let's just try this. Yeah. That's good. You, oh, I think you'll like it. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> good game. And honestly, that was my first time playing the physical. I had only played the free Uh-oh, version. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We just found it in the game library at Origins, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good game. Great, great game. Awesome. All right. Well, that I guess that's what's been on our table this week. This week, the games we play reviews Call to Adventure. Chris, tell us a little bit more about Call to Adventure. Sure. This is a 2019 game by Brotherwise Games, Johnny O'Neill and Christopher O'Neill. It's a one to four players. 30 to 60 minutes, um, ages nine and up, and then it's a, it's a lighter weight game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Y- yes and no. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Sure. It's, it's, this is an interesting one. I'm, I'm gonna. This is going to be an interesting review, I think, for this one. Yeah. In Call to Adventure, you make your fate. Inspired by character-driven fantasy storytelling, Call to Adventure challenges one to four players to create the hero with the greatest destiny by acquiring traits, facing challenges, and overcoming adversaries. Call to Adventure features a unique rune-rolling system for resolving challenges, a point-based system that encourages storytelling, and over 150 unique cards. Players begin each game with an origin card and provides their backstory as well as two starter abilities. Each round, they may either acquire trait cards from the board or face a challenge. Challenges each have two possible paths a player can choose from. For example, players who enter the Thieves Guild may choose to train as a spy or train as a killer. Each challenge has a difficulty that must be overcome by rolling successes on carved runes. The more a player has of the abilities required to overcome the challenge, the more runes they will be able to cast. Failed challenges lead players to acquire experience points as they may be spent to push through tougher challenges. But beware, while some negative experiences will help your hero grow, too many tragedies set them on a dark path. As players' heroes grow in abilities and experience, they move on to harder challenges, eventually facing deadly adversaries and acquiring more and more destiny points player whose hero has the highest destiny score wins the game all right so thank you chris uh call to adventure so the gameplay is i i think is fairly straightforward i mean there's not a whole lot to it so basically um as as chris was alluding to you 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 start with three different cards on your player or your tableau and you start with your origin story or your origin um it's stuff like hey you're a merchant i don't know what did you get do you remember chris i was an acolyte yeah and so it's some kind of like hey i started as something like a merchant or adventure or outlander or something like that and then you have your motivation, and your motivation is going to be something like I think mine was like trained with a master. I don't. Do you recall what yours was? Uh, 
higher learning, seeking higher learning. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, and there, there's a lot of variety of these, and, and a lot of it's like these, uh, these fantasy tropes, or the, you know, like, yeah. yeah, you've watched a fantasy movie, you've read a fantasy book, it's all these are going to be in it. So it's almost like they've picked their favorite ones and they just wrote them all down and put it in the game. And then you have your your destiny, and so this is a card that's hidden from all the players, and your destiny card will be something like, shoot, I don't even remember what mine was. Do you remember what your destiny was? I was like to be the high wizard and it was i'm trying to remember off the top oh i took a picture a few moments later so Corey's, for example was to be an intrepid explorer apparently that was his his destiny which is kind of weird mine was to be a cunning villain which is kind of cool yeah i thought that was i i've played that pretty thematically if you ask me yep and i was the high arcanist yeah and so what that uh what that destiny card basically does is at the end of the game, it gives you some kind of bonus. It's something you want to work towards. So mine was saying, Hey, you get these five extra, they call them tragedy. Um, there's basically victory points, these extra five tragedy points. If you get these icons and then you, you get an extra victory point per of one of these other icons. So it's giving you something and some kind of direction you want to work towards. Right. Uh, right. Your, your motivation also gives you some kind of bonus as you're playing out their game that gives you extra experience or gives you extra. You can spend experience to get extra buffs for these runes or, and, and then same with your origin. It also, that card gives you stuff. So, storytelling it obviously has a storytelling component where it's talking about what you are what you want to do but also it's functional because on the card it gives you starting runes that you get it gives you extra bonuses you can get as you're playing the game and so every player starts with that and uh out in the middle of the board is there's three acts of cards that are all displayed in kind of like a river if you will and only the current act is displaying so you start the game with act one and then on your turn you basically have to pick a card so you can pick a trait or you can pick a challenge and fa- try to face that challenge. The trait cards have certain restrictions. So it might say, hey, you have to have X, Y, Z. And if you do it, you just get the trait card. Uh, for facing challenges, it, it like you said in that example, it has a scenario like you may choose to train as a spy or train as a killer. You have to pick which path you're going to take. Each path on the card, top or bottom, gives extra benefits or different benefits. Uh, they could be victory points. They could be rune faces. They could be story icons, what have you. And then you get to pick your runes out and roll them because there's certain runes you can roll. And if you pass the challenge because there's a number on it, then you get the card. And when you put it... Uh, when you get a trait or a card like that, you put it underneath your origin, your motivation, or your destiny, depending on which act you want, and you're just showing the top or the bottom to show the icons for the runes or victory points that you got. Basically, these runes, they they reflect these different sets of runes that are in the game. These are uh, what what kind of material would you call these, Chris? Uh, they're not like plastic per se. I mean, they are, but they kind of feel like... They're very light plastic. Reminded me of the uh, Rummy Cube uh, little plastic pieces. But not it's so not like... thick and heavy. Yeah, but not so like slick. I, it almost feels like poker, like kind of material, like those nicer poker yes, chips, like you're, clay-ish. You're plastic, not... But they're see, plastic. The plastic version of the poker chips, yeah. Yeah, but they're not like they're flat. Like they're two sided. So when you you roll, you're quote unquote rolling them. You're like casting the runes out, right? Yep. And the different sides gives you you points for passing or or, or not because there's going to be blank faces or there's actual markings and they have different values based on if you pass. And so that's what you use to do the challenge. The challenge will tell you which rune faces you can use. You look at the cards you have, and you always get the three basic runes plus any runes that 
are match the challenge that you have throughout your story, i.e. your cards that you've already captured. And that's the runes you get. You cast them and you see if you pass the challenge or not. So this is going to go on where you get three cards per act. So three per your origin, three for your motivation, three for your destiny. First player to do that triggers the end game and all other players get one more turn. And then at the end of the game, you're going to add up the victory points from your cards. So victory points, they call them triumph or tragedy. It's the black or white uh, crystal icon. It's the victory points. Uh, You're going to look at your experience points that you have, which is these nice little acrylic pieces and you get victory points for that you get victory points for any of the hero or anti-hero cards you've played and then you get victory points for the destiny card that give you bonuses and then there's these story icons that are going to be on these cards that you're collecting and so it might be one looks like a star for example which means triumph and for every like if you get two triumphs across your story you get two points if you get three you get four points and if you get four plus you get eight points so there's a lot of incentive to do it and then lastly you kind of have a um, what would you call it? Your good or evil? What's that track called? What would you, what would you call that? Your light or dark track? Yeah. What would you call that? Your morality? Yeah. It'd be morality. Yeah. So it's either corruption or I don't even remember what the other one, but there's a track that throughout the game you can adjust. It also will give you some bonus points depending on how evil or good you went. And then whoever has the most victory points wins the game. That's I know I talked a lot, but that's basically the game. Did I miss any mechanics with that, Chris? No, I, I don't think so. I was trying to think of that. Um, just the fact that you're drawing cards and there's there's a lot light and dark and you go up and down the track and you um, you get certain too high lights you can't be you can't do the dark stuff and no you can't get the dark cards yeah yeah. and if you're in the dark phase you can't get the light uh light cards and stuff so there's there's um there's definitely a track a morality type track you go down and when you go dark you go dark (laughs) (laughs) you can actually lose too many you can actually lose minus four victory points at the end and if you go too evil yeah and you can't use those dark runes because uh when you're facing a challenge you could spend an experience to well, play with the dark arts and get a dark rune, which that dark rune does guarantee a victory or a, a, a success, yeah, a success or two successes. But if you get the two successes, it changes your morality down. Uh, you gain corruption. Uh, but you know, it's a risk you can take, uh, which I yeah. take every time. Um, not so much other players, I guess. Uh, Scott did. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> he did a lot. I didn't. I never did that whatsoever. Yeah. And, and also with those rune abilities, uh, the only reason I mentioned this, those rune icons, they actually mean stuff. So there's like a sword that means strength. There's one that's dexterity and then a constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma are the, the stats. And there's these runes that correlate with those icons that are on those cards and the only reason i bring this up is it all ties in really with the scenario that you're choosing so there could be cards like there's this one you're lost in the woods you can either escape your pursuers or find a place of power and so if you play find a place of power it gives you wisdom but if you escape your pursuers you get dexterity so it's kind of thematic i guess you know with the with the tracks so it's kind of cool you don't necessarily need to know that but as you memorize the, the icons that if you you memorize the stat goes with it kind of is a little more immersive i think which is kind of fun but you don't really necessarily need to get into the story per se but i don't i'm gonna argue that's not as fun if you don't but that's basically how you play there's obviously those hero and anti-hero cards you gain that you play they have different abilities and effects that modify your roles 
the dark cards especially screw over the other players, while the hero cards really don't affect other players, but more buff up yourself. And so there's definitely some theme there too, which is pretty cool. So that is how you play for the most part. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, the artwork on this. Uh, Chris, what do you think of the art on this game? I like the art. There's uh, you got your own player tab below uh, where it has a lot of the symbol uh, symbology and icons for the game. Mm-hmm. Tells you kind of what things are, what uh, what the um, values when you cast them, the values and things like that, and where you put your uh, your cards. The track one, two, and three. Um, but the cards themselves are really what's beautiful. Oh yeah, there is oh really this just the mystical arts and very uh, like King Arc. Arthur esque if you're the down going down the strength side and the wizards and uh, Lord of the Rings feel and oh it's it's, it's epic it's, it's epic it's fantasy. very epic yes it's it's epic fantasy you're absolutely yep. right it's epic fantasy and that's the art on it and it's done really really well uh, they did a great job with the, the the cards and the art on it I really liked it um, just yes it, very much it's gorgeous really like yes. i mean this is like actual artwork like yes. this is something when you're walking down like uh, a game convention you know there's a lot of that fantasy art you know like gen con you know there's all those rows right. just for the artist this is the kind of art you would see people drawing and that people would be buying that display right but, on big on big art paintings and mm-hmm. things like that yeah and i noticed and and the dark when uh, some of these dark cards they're dark and it's it's well depicted in the art on that. Uh, and it's sinister and yeah, like yeah, the war- warlock adversary. Yes. It like this ghostly figure. Kind of reminds me of the guys from Lord of the Rings. You know those yep. uh, the ring rights. Yeah, it kind of looks like him floating, and he has his hands on these. It looks like two people that are half yeah. like sucked up into his hand. I don't know. It's dark. Yeah, it was, I mean, for that, I mean, cool. it's the, very thematic. I'm not saying yep. all of it's like horror dark, but where it needs to right. be for some of the evil stuff, it is Absolutely. very dark. For some of the lighter stuff, like uh, like divine favor, for example, it's like this this knight that has rarely reminds me of King Arthur, and there's like yes. sun shining from the sky through the clouds. Like it's very thematic, very high fantasy, epic fantasy, uh, but really gorgeous, gorgeous yep. artwork on this game. Um, the cards really shine and add to the flavor and uh, feeling of the game. It really does. Um, so yeah, I, I would like two thumbs up. The artwork in this game yep. is fabulous. Okay, so for rule book, uh, Chris, did you get a chance to look through the rule book on this one? No, I didn't. I came back from that appointment and walked right in, and you guys had stuff set up. Okay. We briefly talked, and I started, so I, I didn't even get a look at the rule book. Um, I, I watched a bunch of how to play videos, mm-hmm. but I didn't get to read the rule book. Yeah. The rule book was, uh, was okay. Um, I, I had far, I, I had hard times trying to find stuff when we were playing, like questions came that. up. I had hard times finding it. I'm not sure why. Uh, like even during setup, for example, Corey's like, oh, I think everybody gets a hero card to start the game. And I'm like, I'm looking through like the setup the first two pages or so in the book. I'm like, I, I don't think so. And then I look on the back, which by the way, the back has a summary of how to set up in the rounds. Sweet. On the setup on the back, it says, yeah, each player gets a hero card. I was like, oh, okay. So it was really hard to find in the normal text. 
the, the basic game, you're not supposed to play with those adversary or ally cards that we played with. And so when you're playing through the reading through the book, there's like these brown special sections that give you like extra flavor, extra information on top of the regular game. So I don't know if it's just too busy for me. It's not that bad of a rule book. I just had a hard finding it. And then there was a whole two pages of uh, frequently asked questions because there's a couple situations that are kind of fiddly, right? Uh, that we even encountered. Like uh, right. there's cards I was playing that made people retry a challenge. Well, when you retry a challenge, if you spend experience to get those dark runes or get extra runes from your ally cards, do you still get those on the retry? Do you get a chance to spend more experience to add to it? There's those kind of questions that wasn't necessarily clear. Also things like if you're already at the maximum for your corruption track, can you still play a card that makes you move down or not? That kind of stuff. We couldn't really right. find uh, answers to that. So it was a little fiddly in that uh, overall, there's a lot of pictures in the book, which is nice. Um, some of the situations, it had like half the page is like an example facing a challenge, and it stepped you through and added in the scenarios of things that you might have questions for. So uh, overall, good good rule book. Uh, maybe a little busy that I had a hard time trying to find what I needed to, but overall, I think it was a good rule book. Better than the last two weeks that <laughs> of games we played. <laughs> It sounds like it had a nice summary uh, and setup of stuff on the back page. Again, I like those uh, oh, games that yeah. do that. The only thing I could have used a little more of, give me the scoring summary on the back. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot it, it, of pieces for scoring. Yes. yes. And, and this mathy. It yep. is. Uh, there's 14 pages, and the scoring is on page eight. So... It's kind of hard to find when you go to score. You're like, okay, well, what do we need to do? Um, and, and, and one of the steps is add up any points you gain from story. You kind of see page nine. So you have to like flip the page to go see how to score that. So that's my only minor complaint is you could have just included the scoring little icon stuff on the back of the What are you going to yeah. do? Uh, nitpicky at this point you make your own uh cheat sheet yeah that's what you're gonna do <laughs> yeah it actually wouldn't be a bad idea they didn't no. they did include a I've, scoring pad in the box though i saw that which is nice and it does yeah. have the story icons on the sets but uh, i keep forgetting to put a pencil or pen in the box so uh never have one handy to do that so let's talk about uh components then on this uh chris uh so components uh make up those runes make up yes. of those acrylic experience tokens the yep. cards, and then your player tableau. So what do you yeah. think of those uh, components in this? Two things I liked. I, I, I like the experience tokens. Um, I liked having a little acrylic uh, uh, chits. Um, they're kind of a, a, a square, a little offset like square. Like diamond, that you, like a trapezoid right. almost? Yeah, it was, yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't a fully diamond, but yeah, no. more trapezoid. Yeah, right. but it, wasn't yeah. A, it was closer to right. a square than a diamond. Right, exactly. But you could stack them. And you can yeah. easily stack them on top of each other to have, group them and things like that. I liked and the runes. I like those. Mm -hmm. Those were pretty cool. That's a neat thing. Instead of rolling dice, uh, having just a two-faced rune, and uh, having that ability, I have never seen that in a game yet. Mm -mm. This is the first time I've seen that, and I thought that was really neat mechanic. And to go with uh, the epic fantasy, very the thematic. high fantasy type, very exactly, very thematic on that. So I really like those two things. The two things I really didn't, 
um, care too much about is the card stock of the tableau and the cards. They were pretty thin cards. And the, the tableau, I know mine didn't set uh, uh, flat. I mean, it bowed. Yeah, mine were bowed. It was, out. It was, it was really bowed out of the box. And light. Yeah. It was thin and light. Yeah, and it was really thin and light. So I, I, I tend to like, for especially tableau areas, it was, especially when you're setting cards on it and tokens. Oh, yeah, there was the that uh, crescent or uh, or mooned the light and the dark token. Yeah, it was like a, it was like rubber. Yeah. It was like a yeah. rubber token that was yeah. not neat, really a, needed. I mean, you just needed like a piece of cardboard, but they included it a, worked. a like nice I like that. Yeah, it was really nice. But if you're going to have stuff like that on where you put onto your tableau, I like to have nice thicker tableaus that are heavy, that mm-hmm. are set, that are not going to move around cuz you got so many pieces on top of them. Yeah. That that could potentially move. So, I would love to see, maybe see a little thicker uh tableau. And the cards were, mm-hmm. were pretty thin. It felt like when I first picked them up, I was like, ooh, I better make sure I not bend these mm-hmm. uh, because they were pretty thin. And so, they're like tarot card type size. Yes. So they're not like a normal card size. Yeah, they're over. Yeah, oversized little cards. So, I mean, this is an under $30 game, but I don't know how much it would have cost, increased the cost of it to make that uh, thicker boards. But I, I would have liked at least, like I said, seen the tableau a little thicker since mm-hmm. you're putting so much cards on it and tokens and things, and you're rolling, you're uh, rolling, you're, you're casting your runes on top of that. So, or I mean, off yeah. to the table, yeah. it depends or off on to your the space. Table. Yeah. 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 All over the place. So, so yeah, those were the two things I liked and the, the two things I would have uh, liked to have seen little, little enhanced yeah the finish on the cards were nice it was like that glossy slick which is really nice sometimes when you see thinner cards it doesn't have that nice finish the finish on the card was really nice which it complemented the obviously the artwork but yeah it's too thin because as you're playing though like you're trying to slide uh, three additional cards underneath or above the card so like if it was a normal card game the thickness of the card really wouldn't it would just be a very minor gripe but since you're having to pick this darn card up at least three times to slide other cards in. It, it's hard to grab when it's that thin, yeah. and you don't want to. Yeah, it was really hard. It was is a little too fiddly. Yeah, Corey couldn't pick any of the cards up today. No. <laughs> he kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and either Scott and I would have to pick up. You the almost far need cards. like nails to get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we trimmed all of our nails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm in complete agreement. And then the, obviously the hero and anti-hero cards are a normal card size. Um, but they were the exact same thinness. thinness. But those weren't as big. I didn't feel like those were as big of a deal as the bigger right. ones. I feel like the bigger it gets, the more curvy it gets, the less you could tell it's cheaper. Uh, right. If they had just made that tableau like an actual cardboard, like yes. think scythe, you know, those boards. Yes, that been that's perfect. what I was thinking. Right, exactly. Yep, but, I agreed with you. That's what I was thinking. But man, that. those runes! Oh, oh, my gosh. oh man, I want to see more of those runes in games. I love those. Like, I think those are way cooler than dice. I mean, dice yes. are cool, and I feel like as the board gaming hobby's been going, people are using more custom dice. You got more D- other than D yep. six and all that. I think this should be the new kind of uh, uh, direction. You know, maybe you should start thinking yeah. about these. And it's easier to calculate odds in your head, to be completely honest. 
because it's 50 yeah. 50 instead of multiple well, d6s it, it's a d2 yeah it's a d2 <laughs> it really it is it's it's so satisfying throwing those yeah. out there yeah, it, it feels so f- good i it mean i can't iterate how good it feels to grab a handful of these runes and just throw them out and they just fall where they lie it feels so good Oh, I love that uh, with the components on this. Okay, so likes. Uh, Chris, uh, now that we already started talking about likes, what are your likes for this? You know, I like the the, the gameplay of this. I like how uh, when you first initially draw, you're going to start making your hero going down a path. You get to choose. Yeah. You get two of you each of those, each. Uh, phase one, phase two, phase three. You get to choose one of each of those cards and, and set the others off in the, uh, in the box. But I, I like that. And then you get to, like I said, you develop your story. I thought that was a neat game mechanic as you go around. Um, but the casting of the runes, I love. The art is beautiful, really enhanced. The, the immersion, I'm an immersion guy. And this game, is full of immersion mm-hmm. it really makes you into the story of this and going off into your adventures and doing you know helping the lost child and i went down the light side so uh, i did all these goody two-shoe guys captain america type uh, boy scout type stuff and and where you and uh, Corey did went went dark oh, oh i was like and, embracing the yes, dark yes, arts and, the, yeah. and all this yeah. fun stuff because you know but, why not yeah, I liked it because you could do that. You chose to do that. And I chose to take a different route. And we both were competitive in the way we were. And and we we chose the strategies off of that. And it was same game, but we just chose different things. I, I, I liked that aspect. I liked the... Um, Last week, I, I didn't like storytelling games when the fact of you pull a card, then you got to create something off. But this is very structured. This to me isn't isn't your typical storytelling type game that I think of with uh, the Dixits and the... Uh, um, you're thinking you're, Arabian Nights, but I think Arabian it's a little Nights, more structured. Yes. But yes. but I, I but I think how they set up the mechanics with those runes, for example, and yes. the story icons... Um, yes. And then your destiny, it kind of leads you in a direction that like, well, for me, it, it, made, it made sense to get those treachery story icons, right? Because I right. got bonus points at the end. And so it was in my best interest to do it. I didn't necessarily have to, but obviously I'm going to get more victory points because uh, I was supposed to be like, my, you know, my destiny was become that uh the villain the cunning villain right um and and so it kind of led me down that path where it was in my best interest so yeah if maybe you didn't want to play that story oh i'm going to like me i was uh i could i covered up my crime like i killed a person and i took over like a i took over a guild it was like a assassin's guild like i took it over all those were bad things right i mean you could do that because that was kind of fun because like "Ah, i'm gonna be dark who cares about like trying to help solve the mystery i'm gonna cover up my crime you don't necessarily had to do that right because it it it, it was in your interest to go down that path but it kind of was cool that those both those decisions kind of went along with each other where you know i'd selected i was going to be this cunning villain so i knew i was going to go down the evil path and it kind of just went hand in hand it was kind of fun oh yeah but i mean you don't necessarily have to be the story but i i'm gonna say that this this game's probably not as fun maybe i'll i'll wait for the dislikes here sure. i'm gonna agree with you likes runes fantastic more games need these rooms the storage yep. solution for those rooms are really nice it comes with this nice plastic custom tray that they go in i do also like in the rooms there's there's three of each of the rune types and so if you ever get more than three rooms you can only roll three of that type uh but if you get all three there's a third 
like dotted one. One side is is the picture of the rune. So let's say it's a sword. You get two successes if you roll that. On the other side, it's blank. But on the dotted one, on the third one, on the other side, it gave you what, like victory points or cards or uh, ex- no, sorry, experience points or cards. So there's actual extra benefit from building up to that third rune. So I really, really like that. Those runes, I cannot say good enough things about them. So, so good. Uh, artwork, fantastic. So good. I liked how they really tied in theme, the yes. storyline on the cards with the story, like with the scoring mechanics, i.e. the tragedy, the triumph, the story icon cards. I really like that. Uh, but very story. If you don't really necessarily care about the story or kind of the, the theme of it, this might not interest you as much, but I really loved that. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Uh, so dislikes, uh, any dislikes for you? Other than, well, I yeah. mean, you bring up the the components, the obviously. cards, yeah. yeah, the cards and the, the tableau. Those were my two main things um, that I really thought they could have enhanced a little bit better. Now we didn't play in the rule book. After you play the game, you're supposed to tell each each person supposed to go through and tell the, the story of their character. You that could didn't do that. interest me too much, yeah. Yeah, but if you if you were like a writer or author or something like that, I could see that being actually fairly cool if you're into that kind of stuff. Like it, it's a good exercise right. in being creative and in and, and thinking through. It's a nice writing exercise, I would think, if if that's your thing. Right. Any other dislikes? I don't think so. Uh the I, I it's not really a dislike. I just if you're not really into that story, or you're not gonna get into it where we're, you know, like Corey's playing or we're playing we're like I'm gonna harness the dark powers and just be kind of joking around with it and you're like yeah and you're getting into it and you're like I'm evil or uh, you know I'm gonna try you know just joking around a little bit interaction socially if you're not really into that or that that high fantasy that epic fantasy theme doesn't thrill you or capture you I don't think you might not like this game the gameplay mechanics is a little on the lighter side I mean essentially yep. set collection and, and from that set you get yeah, to roll really you get to roll quote-unquote cast runes and outside of that that's it's really just a strip the theme and all that away it's it's basically just a set collection game <laughs> yeah yeah very true and i i didn't get into the the storytelling aspect of it uh it's not an uh, i wouldn't say a dislike but it, it that to me that wasn't the the fun of the game yeah being that creative storytelling it was just playing throughout the whole like you said it's the set collection of that um, I enjoyed that aspect. Sure, I didn't really didn't really get into creating a big story at the end. Then that's just me. Sure, that's, sure, that's, yeah, sure. A little lighter on gameplay. It would be nice to maybe have a little more complicated gameplay in there to make it a little more interesting because it really does. On your turn, you just get a card, and sometimes with the straight cards, you just get it, and that's your turn. Okay, um, not terribly interesting, but it adds to the theme and your character, which is kind of interesting if you care about it. All right. So overall, Chris, what would you give a ranking on this game? You know, I'm thinking uh, this is a this is a seven point five for me. Um, this is it's it's a good game. It's very fun. Um, I would play this if uh, if brought out. Usually willing to play and. I'm curious to see, like you, you brought up your points. There's an expansion out for this. I'm curious to see what that expansion adds and if it's just more storytelling cards or if the hero uh, name of the wind expansion that just came out this year. But uh, to me, this is, it's a good game um, and and I'd be willing to play it. And um, 
it's I'd like to play it more and see uh, if it actually goes up a little bit more to a very good like an eight or if it drops down to a seven. But in initial play and talk and stuff like that, it's it's a good game. Seven point five is what I what I rate it. Okay, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it a seven. You know, I'll play this if somebody wants to play it. Definitely. Uh, it's really going to depend, though, on who, to be honest. Playing with Corey and stuff, who gets really into it and is joking around, and we're having a lot of fun and laughing and joking about being evil or good and, you know, ribbing each other about being goody two-shoes or something like that, you know? That's what's really fun about this and getting into the story, getting into the theme, getting into what you're doing makes it really fun. If if Corey's the one who's asking me to play, I'm going to play this in a heartbeat every single time. If it's uh, somebody who's new to the hobby or maybe is not into fantasy, I, I'm probably not going to want to play this with them. So I think this is a little dependent on who you're playing with and, and how they get into it. Um, it's it's a little more of a social game because there's not a whole lot of interaction outside of those anti-hero cards. And so you kind of have to get into it and it adds kind of a, like a little fun or... Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, oh, yes. I definitely. Str- yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that this is a game, like you said. Yeah. There were some tense moments and, oh, I'm going after this. And like like I said, you two guys uh, rode the dark and I rode. I mean, I was totally opposite, full light. And Scott was playing kind of in the middle. He would go a little dark, a little, little light, kind of bit just right in that tail. And having that, those. Um, differences of games and and playing and storytelling and stuff and and really getting into that oh you know the jokes we were making during that kind of stuff yeah i know you and Corey were sitting next to each other and followed uh cory went then you went and following you trying to go after these dark things and and it, it it made for some fun times and i definitely agree with that you have to have be willing to play along with how the story goes and develops and joke and jab at each other and and that kind of bits and and that kind of stuff and that that re- that enhances this this immersion of this storytelling game. Yep, absolutely. Most of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, tag on to the expansion. So you you mentioned the call the name of the wind. So if anybody are not available, there's a, a series of books called The Name of the Wind by a author named Patrick Rothis. Rothfuss, R-O-T-H-F-U-S-S. It's uh, supposed to be a trilogy. It only has two books out, and who knows when the third one. It's kind of a joke, actually a meme by now, uh, how he doesn't have it. But they released an expansion that just came out this year. It's a 75-card expansion based on the King King Killer Chronicles. That's a series of books by by him. And looking at it, it's it does change it a little bit. Uh, there's there's some different mechanics in this. Looking at the pictures and reading about it, because about in this book, it's all about naming stuff like the name of fire, name of iron, or name of wind. By naming it, you get control over that element and can use it. That's kind of its magic system. And so in this, it looks like you have a little board where you have cards where you can add on the names that you're naming, like the name of the wind, the name of fire, and it gives you special abilities. And then there's also all the cards, but there's these extra tokens for fire, iron, and wind, for example. So there's some new mechanics in this game, and it does look really interesting. Um, Plus, all the other cards are characters. Like, there's some characters in here that are actual from the books, or there's situations like some of these challenges that are from the book 
or uh, like references to the book. So that's really cool. If you're a Pat Patrick Rothfuss fan, go for it. Also in the future, they are coming out with a Stormlight Archive, yes. which uh, that's why I'm really interested in this is I'm a brand, huge Brandon Sanderson fan. We've talked about this. So is Corey. And uh, they're making, I think it's an expansion or maybe a standalone for this. And, man, when that comes out, that might be a 10 for me just because, hey, anytime I can play Stormlight Archive in this fashion where you get to build your own story in that universe, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you're you're interested, especially in that, that material, that's another huge immersion factor. And this game really does a good job to allow you to be immersed in it if you want to. Okay, well, that about wraps up a review. I can't really think of any uh, like that like this because this is a pretty unique game. I've really not played a game like this. Um, obviously, there's plenty of set collection games, but that's not really what this game is about. It's about storytelling. Any games you can think of that are even remotely close? I I can't really think of any. No, not not with the storytelling set collection type rune genre. throwing. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't even know of any other rune throwing. That'd it, be cool. It, it's pretty cool. This but, is this is kind of a unique game in its own. That's why I said this is going to be an interesting yeah. one to talk about. It's interesting. It's unique. I never really played a game like this. Brotherwise, that's kind of seems like their thing. They made boss monsters. What they really yes. cut their teeth in. Boss Monster is super unique. I hadn't seen any games really do what Boss Monster did when it first came out. You know, where it's it's like a Nintendo game. You're building a dungeon to kill heroes is essentially (laughs) what you're trying trying to do, which is pretty cool. You're you're setting up up traps. It's a fun game, but very unique. Now there's a bunch of games where you create like dungeons and other stuff that other people have kind of ripped off if you will but it was unique for the time so anyway that uh concludes our review for call of adventure check it out uh, at least look at the pictures some play gameplay videos see if it's up to your alley uh if any of this really piques your interest i highly suggest uh definitely checking it out all right this week's love and hate chris what's your love this week one thing I have learned over these uh, over this time is that I enjoy buying games for other people. Um, just uh, just over the last several weeks with these the Black Friday sales and stuff, and I'm like, oh, you know what? This would be a good game to give these friends. Oh, this would be a good game to give Emily, who's at college. Oh, this would be a good game to purchase and take over to Jamie's house. And I, I've really come to love buying games and giving them to people to just help them introduce and, and build up their game library. And so we can go over there and Hey, over at their house, Hey, let's play some games and that kind of stuff. I enjoy that. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the giving spirit of the holidays and tagging board games along with it. So, uh, it's a win-win in my situation. So yeah. I, I love that. Absolutely. Love giving other people game, buying games for other people. Well, my love this week is we had the Games We Play holiday party. Although, Chris, you weren't able to make it, unfortunately, because of this time of the year. So I feel, it feels a little weird calling it the Games We Play holiday party. But we, we had a bunch of couples over. Andy, our number two, number one fan. I'm sorry, Andy. I got demoted. I didn't mean to do you dirty like that. Our number one uh, fan, Andy, and his wife came over. And then um, two other couples came over. And we had a Gone Sean Clever, or That's Pretty Clever tournament. Uh, So we had uh, eight people. So we played uh, two games. And the top two from each game went on to the final. And the person 
who won the final, won a copy of uh, Gonshot Clever. And uh, Emily and I put together this uh, pretty awesome trophy. Not, I mean, it's it's two solo cups with a uh, Christmas ornament glued on top and dice glued on top of it. Nice. And it says 2019 Gonshot Clever. Uh, but it's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Uh, so... Um, that's what we did. And I mean, I, I won the tournament. I feel a little bad about it, but I did win the tournament. So I got the trophy, but I, I gave, since I already have a copy of the game, I gave the, the copy of the game to second place, which happened to be, uh, Renee, uh, one of the couples. And it was her first time playing that, that night. And, um, she seemed to have a lot of fun with it. And Good. so did her husband. And so, uh, they're getting a copy. Unfortunately, it hadn't arrived. It arrived like the day after <laughs> the party because that game's been back ordered and stuff. So we're going to be seeing them this weekend and, uh, giving them their copy. So that was a lot of fun. I do have to say though, our, our, our friend Jeremy, who's uh, mutual friends with Andy as well, he's like, some kind of another engineer, like super smart. He got on his first game like a 270. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was redonkulous. Uh, so that first game I taught uh, the four of them, right? And so Jeremy, after a couple, uh, like basically one or two rounds or rolls, I didn't really have to help him at all, but I was helping the other three because it was their first time. And everybody scored like 160 or higher. It was ridiculous scoring. Um, on the final game, I think I got 220 or 230 or something ridiculous. So I think I'm onto something with that that uh, that strategy of not taking those yellows early. Those you know, uh, like one or two yellows when you're rolling. Leave those for the end game when other people are putting them up there. But yeah, it was a weird night. Like I saw somebody complete their whole whole orange row. I saw somebody complete their whole purple row. I've never seen. I saw somebody complete their own whole green row. I've never wow. seen that happen in any of the games I played. And I saw all three of those things happen. So it was a it was a really fun night. A lot of a lot of Gonshan clever. Uh, that went pretty late, uh, but it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun um, joking around. We had food, drinks, uh, you name it. It was it was a good time. So that's my love cool. for this week. Cool. So hate. Uh, so hate for me is forgetting rules. Uh, we played Architects of the West Kingdom, and it wasn't until like midway through that uh, I kept building or adding onto the cathedral, which costs a lot of resources. But if you you get higher, it's an exponential with your victory points. And if you get to the high highest, you get like twenty victory points, which is a lot in this game. And I realized I was almost to the top, and I realized oh, there's these cards that you're supposed to get when you build that give you tons of extra resources, vit- virtue, resources, and whatnot. And it wasn't like almost the end of the game until I realized so I put them out but it like it changed the game completely and I was kind of ticked about it Emily finished and, and beat the game but it definitely changed the outcome because there was a time where I went to the black market that hurt that took me down virtue that one of the cards gave me what I needed and I wouldn't have done it I don't know it was just a little frustrating so I was uh, a little grumpy about it not necessarily because Emily beat me, but because I forgot those <laughs> rules. And it, it yeah. I, you know, you're playing an hour game, and it, it's like this whole game's null and void because you missed one huge mechanic that completely changes the game. You know, she was going heavy and building. I wasn't necessarily. I was going heavy and building the cathedral, which is a good strategy, it turns out. But I wasn't getting all the all the kickbacks, all the the extra perks for doing so. And so it kind of put me at a disadvantage and uh, one of the reasons I think I lost. So anyway, it's kind of not very happy about it. was a little grumpy with her about it. And it wasn't her fault at all, but still. <laughs> Way to go, yeah, Emily. So. Sorry, Emily. But 
Anyway, that that was my hate this week. Uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my hate this week. I, you know, I've got five kids, and I had to go to some doctor's appointments this week. And I hate waiting for doctor's oh, appointments. Yeah. So it's 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 one of the things where uh, these doctor's appointments they they want you there twenty minutes early. Or if you're five minutes late, they cancel your appointment, kind of that stuff. So, of course, I'm there 20 plus minutes early with papers in hands. And then I'm sitting in the lobby 40 minutes past the appointment time. And then I finally get called yep. into the room. And then I'm spending 25 minutes in the room waiting for the nurse. And then nurse comes in. Then I'm waiting 20, so 30 minutes for the doctor. So, oh my gosh, Tuesday I had a uh, uh, 9.30 doctor appointment. I didn't leave the hospital area till 3 o'clock. That's ridiculous. Um, and it was, yes, it was, It's we got some uh, very important things done. It just took forever took forever and it's you know it's one of those things that on these paperwork it says show up 20 minutes early and here's the cancellation policy if you're five minutes late and you uh, all this kind of stuff but but then they'll sit and let you oh, sit yeah, there for sure 40 will. minutes yep. in, in the lobby and then 30 minutes in the in the room and then 30 minutes for waiting for this and then then you got to go eat labs oh my gosh then you go downstairs a lab and you check in and you're the only one there in labs then five people walk in after you and four people go in front of you and you're still sitting there waiting to wait a minute i checked in first that kind of stuff oh my gosh that that frustrates me that's a frustration that's a good hate so, that's a yeah. that's a real good hate yeah, that, that's that's been my week. Oh my gosh, that's oh been my week. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that uh, concludes our love and hate for this week. All right, Chris. Well, that wraps up episode thirty-two for this week. Well, I don't really have much else to talk about. Uh, uh, anything else on your radar, or anything else to talk about, Chris? No, just uh, looking at a couple of Kickstarter games that are out there. Um, I backed a few. <laughs> Um, oh. there's <laughs> not surprising. No, um, you didn't, the, did you back, did you back the great wall? I did not back the great yeah, wall. Yeah. I backed stronghold undead. Oh, you did. Yep. I did do that. I heard good things about that and that's been, oh, I've been like 10 years in waiting yep, the yep. undead version of it. So, mm-hmm. yep. And I did some, uh, Deadlands, uh, lost colony, oh, uh, uh, yeah. savage world RPG. I like that Deadlands, uh, yep. theme that cowboy Western kind of sci-fi kind of magic. Um, I like that. So those are the couple things I backed and there's a couple other ones. I'm, um, I've got an eye on, um, I, the great wall. I do have an eye on that. Um, that ends in a few days as well as, uh, night of the living dead. But, uh, there's, there's a few that frost haven is one. I definitely want to keep an eye out. Oh, first I'll let year. you know. And I see yeah. it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, there looks to be some some potential good ones uh, coming up here. All right. Well, that uh, about wraps up this week. Stay tuned for next week for episode 33, which is kind of crazy. We're up to 33 already. Uh, time's flying. Heck, episode 33 will come out the week of Christmas. So Yes, it will. Oh, my word. What's happened to this year? Oh, one last thing. So Emily and I, I don't know if you heard, the Delt Hand is renting out or basically a bar in West Des Moines. And Ooh. for like, there's an entry, like I think it's 30 or $40 or something for a ticket, but you get access to the, to the bar 
and you get food. It's like a sports bar, you know, kind of thing. It's not mm-hmm. a true bar, but the, you get food, dinner and stuff and appetizers, and then you get a certain amount of drinks, but then you also get access to the Delta Hand board games, and they're going to be running from like, I don't know, like seven or eight to like two in the morning or something. What? Yeah. So Emily got her parents, my in-laws, to watch Denver overnight. So Emily and I are now are going to the New Year's celebration for the Delt Hand, we're going to be playing board games all night. It's going to be pretty sweet. Interesting. The ring in the New Year. Check that out. That'd be fun. Yeah, I meant to say something. I, I just kind of forgot until yeah. um, I saw something here on my computer, and it reminded me of it. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of games and stuff to talk about, but um, the next couple of weeks is going to be kind of crazy with uh, New Year's and Christmas coming up already. So we'll talk Fine. more about Christmas, I'm sure, when uh, on the next episode. So, all right. Well, um, I guess until next week for episode 33, I am Brian. And I'm Chris. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod. And at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.